Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 53 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. And of course, we obviously have to start it with a Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. I'm loving the energy that you're bringing into the new year, Michelle. Yeah? I, are... My resolution in 2019 was to just fake the energy. There just you go. Keep it going. Is it working? Fake it till you make it. That's I how mean, it's done. People have been doing that. Well, let's see. The earliest known New Year's celebrations uh, were in Mesopotamia, and they date back about to 2000 BC. Oh. So people just been, they've been rocking it and faking it for a really long time. You don't want to talk about a crazy wild time. Those 2000 BC Mesopotamians. Ooh, you don't even know. To, they knew how to get down. <laughs> you don't even know. Uh, how was your New Year's Eve? Did you do anything interesting? I went to a friend's house, checked out the uh, the ball drop, had some... Uh, a lot of chili. There's a lot of chili involved <laughs> in it. A lot of chili. Yeah, there was like four kinds of chili. Wow. And like, you know, Michelob Ultra, so everybody was nice and sober <laughs> the entire night. <laughs> so watered down beer and chili. I went to this, um, they had like a party at the Toronto Aquarium, which oh. was kind of rad because I got to hang out with some fishes for the new year. But what really interested me is right before the, the ball was dropping, there was this couple behind me mm-hmm. and they just immediately took plastic bags out of their pocket full of grapes. What? And I was like, why do they just have like a handful of grapes? So then I looked it up and eating 12 grapes at midnight on New Year's Eve is both a tradition and a superstition in Spain. Oh. And you have to eat one grape at every stroke of midnight. Wow, and I feel like it's a serious challenge to not gag as you are just cramming grapes in your mouth. I wish I had watched them more closely. Yeah, 12 grapes in 12 seconds? That's yes, a lot that's of work right there. I actually then, I stopped reading, but there was like another article leading to trauma of like some little kid like choking to death or something on his midnight grapes. I thought but, you were going to tell me it was like some big time Canadian tradition. I was going to be like... No, it's, it's Spain, but obviously they... Grapes. Uh, wow, see? I did not. Were they uh, the most important question? I think everybody wants to know: Were they purple or green grapes? They were purple grapes. Oh, okay. Are you happy or sad about well, that? You don't I, even know what. I prefer the green grape okay. myself. Okay. Wow. I, they're they're bigger. So Twenty nineteen. This podcast is starting strong. Next, it's very next interesting. Week, next week, the grape cast. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's going to be a, entirely about podcast well, about grapes. It's good that we haven't changed at all. <laughs> um, but, you know, new year, I'd say time for new growth and exploring new possibilities in life. And a time to recognize that when you are on the treadmill at the gym, you can think to yourself that this won't make you any happier, according to a longitudinal study in Germany, which has followed some 3,600 people for nearly two decades, annually documenting both their personal perception of how happy they are and how like their lives have changed. So it seems that life events like marriage make you happy or divorce makes you sad, and they can temporarily affect you know people's feelings of well-being. But the studies show that the effect just eventually wears off. And after a couple of years, people genuinely um, or generally return to their happiness baseline. So no happier or less happier than they were before. So even the greatest or worst day of your life can't drastically change happiness long term. Oh. So simply being a little skinnier and burning it on that treadmill is really not going to do anything to your long-term happiness. That's so I feel it really frees you up, right? Well, it, it, theoretically, but I, I can't do a treadmill anyways. They're terrible. Well, no, but just... 
maybe exercise. But, but like I know you like running, so it's not that like all sort of resolutions or saying things that you're going to change are total bunk, um, because some things that you like are increased with life satisfaction. So if you like the why you want to change things actually matter, like intrinsic motivation. So if you choose to change something, um, and you also kind of like enjoy it then that will like if you're like i want to run more but you like running i do i don't understand and it never will it's a good time then over the long haul it will make you happier so if your resolution is to read more books because you like reading that will actually make you a happier person long term well good that that's amazing awesome. people yeah. so that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about some of the best books of 2018 um, there were a lot of outstanding titles, I think, that grabbed our attention this year, but we're going to talk about some of the ones that stood out. These were mostly, so these are not our all-time favorite books of the year, because I think both of us often read old books throughout the yeah. year, so they're not necessarily books that were published in 2018. But the books that we're going to talk about today um, are some of the ones that have been on most of the top 10 lists. So we kind of went through, grabbed some of those, some we've read, some we haven't. More, more um, likely than not. Some we want to read. More likely than not, we'll, we'll just admit you probably are the one that read it. You, you are I've a much read, more proficient reader than I am. Well, luckily, somehow I, I read the ones that came out that year, but I do read a lot. I read 46 books this year. Not, count, not counting that I reread all seven Harry Potter books. So 53. Yeah. Wow, mm, mm, I feel very inadequate at this moment. When wow, it comes fifty-three. To that's like that's more, more than, than a book, a, book a, week. a week, which I don't even understand mathematically because I don't finish a book in a week, but I usually have three going at the same time. Oh, because one is always an audiobook. Yeah, you know what? That's probably a good idea. You got to keep um, switching them up, or else it's going to get boring. The audiobooks like are my fave. Okay, so we're going to go through some of the top books that you can grab um, that people have really loved. Maybe you don't know. So the first one, I think we talked about on a past episode, but the book There, There by Tommy Orange. I think you should read this oh. one, Jacob. It's, got, okay. it's about Native people. You've oh, got that Native blood. I do. This is um, So this was considered one of the best books of the year from the Washington Post and NPR, Time, Oprah Magazine, Entertainment Weekly, Publishers Weekly, on and on and on. This one showed up on everything. So it's a debut novel from Tommy Orange. And what's really great, so it starts with this epigraph, which is a, um, a quote borrowed from James Baldwin. And it's, people are trapped in history, and history is trapped in them. And the book really um, proves the timelessness of those words. So I don't really know how to describe it. It's, it's an ambitious meditation on identity, and it's kind of has some myth, too, but filtered through the lens of time and poverty and urban life. It has really short chapters by different characters, um, and they're all sort of this loosely connected group of Native Americans living in Oakland, California, and they are all in their separate ways traveling to this powwow. Um, it's nice because it drags the Native American experience out of like the reservation cliche and into just like living, breathing reality of present day um, Oakland. And I don't know, it's a really picturesque journey. Um, you learn why each person is heading to the powwow. Some are really generous, some are fearful, some joyful, um, some violent, and it builds towards a really shocking and yet inevitable, I'll say, conclusion that kind of changes everything. It was a really great book. It's a really strong uh, debut novel. It has been called in some of the reviews that I read after I read it, brilliant and groundbreaking and extraordinary. So. Oh, 
Well, I might have to check that out. I do live that contemporary experience myself. Well, there you yeah. go. That's right. So you totally relate. It was really good. That was one I listened to on audio. Um, was anybody famous doing the audio work? Adam Beach showing up and doing it? No. Oh, well. No. No. Not that I. Not that I know of. But you can tell that the people are native when they do that kind of sing songy. That like thing that you know what I'm talking about, I, like the one guy does. No, I know what you mean. I I got what you're talking I about. I listened there. to the book um, Diary of a Part-Time Indian, and he talks about like the narr- the author narrates that book, and he talks about like how you can tell he's native because he he has the sing-songy thing that he does, and it's really good. So when you listen to my book, this <laughs> yes. is what it shall be. <laughs> not not so much as that. You sounded like a mystic, but well, there's a reason you know. there there has been on all the lists. So definitely check it out. Okay. What, what do, do you think? Tell us something that maybe you didn't read, but that you've seen on the list that you want to read. Well, okay. So I'm like a big fan of like uh, intertwining stories and like yes. time jumps in books and movies. Like I like when you get like that journey and experience. So there's this book that came out, The Great Believers. Oh, I've heard so much good press on that. Have you, I haven't heard too much about it. So I did. I looked into it a little bit. And uh, it looks like it's a pretty cool book. So um, it's a story about a guy who's a f- like trying to become a contemporary famous painter mm-hmm. in uh, 1980s Chicago. Um, and just as his career is taking off, uh, it's like coincides with like the AIDS epidemic, epidemic, come um, taking over. And it just starts to affect his entire life and all of his surrounding friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it starts to like impinge on his life there. Uh, but then it kind of takes a big turn where the story jumps ahead 30 years and it follows uh, his sister as she is in contemporary Paris looking for her daughter who has also fallen into like an AIDS kind of thing, but it also involves a cult at some point. Sweet. all It's hitting all the things. Yeah. I, I listened to an interview um, with the author By on the, the way, radio. Uh, yeah, Rebecca Mackay, I believe. Yeah, and she was kind of talking about you know, writing a story about gay men in this time frame, she's like, I wasn't looking to take away anyone's opportunity to tell this story. You know, I'm not trying to take it. She's like, but, you know, I, I did a lot of research on it and I really tried to do it justice. And I also feel that when a book does well about a subject, that really opens the door for other people to write about it because then publishers are like, oh, people are interested in this. Right. She's like, I'm not trying to appropriate, you know, this this lifestyle, but... And I don't know the way that she said it. I was like, that's good. I mean, you kind of have to now because people can get really frustrated. Like, why are you writing about this that you didn't live? Right. But she's like, because I'm a writer a, and a researcher. Yeah. So somebody's got to tell the story, guys. Yeah. You know, so that was it. it so out there. She kind of opened the door to that. Yeah. That's been that's on my to read list. Oh, is it? Yeah. And then like, yeah. And then this cult aspect. When I read that, I'm like, well, that's a that's a hard right turn. That yeah. Have to be. Like now we're throwing cults into this. I can get behind that idea. Yeah. I do enjoy me a cult in a good piece of fiction. Oh, well, you. there you go. If you like that, that sounds great. Um, OK, so the next book that uh, I want to mention, this is one that I did not make it to yet. I got the audiobook from the library. Super sad. It is called Heavy by Key Slayman. OK. It, it sounds super duper heavy. It, but it's been a best book by like New York Times, Publisher Weekly, NPR, BuzzFeed, um, Washington Post. This is a nonfiction book, so it came up on those lists. And it was also shortlisted for the Andrew Carnegie Medal. Um, so in the book, Layman is writing just, I've read, it's extremely eloquent and honest about growing up in 
uh, as a hard-headed black son to a complicated and brilliant black mother in Jackson, Mississippi. And it's about his early experiences of sexual violence to suspension from college to his trek to New York to become a young college professor. And he really charts his complex relationship with his mother and his grandmother and about anorexia, obesity, sex, writing, gambling. Whoa. Like, yes, this book is covering all of it. Like, the title is extremely appropriate. Um, but by kind of attempting to name these secrets and lies that he and his mom spent like a lifetime avoiding, he's able to kind of ask himself and his mother and his nation to confront, you know, the terrifying possibilities um, that few people in the nation actually know how to responsibly love. Mm-hmm. Like totally, totally crazy, super interesting. Um, but, you know, it's been said that rarely is there a book that really captures the weight of blackness so viscerally, um, which makes it a really powerful and provocative memoir. Oh. As soon as I finish, the book I'm currently listening to is Becoming by Michelle Obama. As soon as that one is finished, then I'm on to heavy. But I still wanted people to know about it if they didn't because it sounds really extraordinary. Man, I that see, these are all like, as you say, that's a heavy yeah. Subject matter. Yeah, that's no, that's no messing around right that, there. That's why I'm impressed by your your book proficiency here, because like, how would you, can you read just like at that clip, like one book a week? That's some heavy themes and stuff to be digesting. Every one book, week. I had to actually speed up the, like I had to up the speed that the talk back, like instead of normal, uh-huh. I had to up it by 0.5 so that I could get through it quicker. Because I was like, I have to finish. So, uh, 1.5 save, <laughs> yeah. sa- saves everybody's. She life was right talking time. really slowly in this book, and I was like, "Girl, I'm not gonna make it if you don't speed it up." So I sped her up myself. Wait, let's get going here. Let's get it moving. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So okay, the next book I heard about. Um, speaking of heavy subject matter, uh, is this book Washington Black? Oh, have you heard yeah. about it? It's on my list too. So <laughs> they're all on the list. Uh, Isai Edguin. I'm sorry, guys. I am butchering your names this week. I'm. I don't know how to say it any better. Um, you, you'll be. You'll be in the little. In our little links underneath the show last yep. year. So okay, so it's a, a story about an eleven-year-old field slave um, who knows no other life except for working like in a Barbados sugarcane field. Okay, um, when all of a sudden his master uh, just you know up and dies. So as per the time, um, he becomes property of his master's um, brother. So he's worried about what that's going to be like. You know, you meet somebody new. Is this guy going to be cruel? Is he going to be mean? What's going on with him? Turns out that the brother is actually the exact opposite, who's like a philanthropist, a philosopher, uh, okay. and most importantly, an abolitionist. So he gives the guy some more of his freedom. Of course, considering the time it is, eventually he gets uh, charged with murder. Not the you know, the um, young boy gets charged with murder. Okay. And uh, it involves the, the brother deciding to give up everything to protect this 11-year-old slave, wow. and then it's about their trek up and down the eastern seaboard and just dealing with the realities of the situation and one of those buddy-on-the-run kind of tales. It's a very interesting-sounding kind of story, and you don't really hear too often about slaves like in the sugarcane Barbados area. Yeah, Either no, that's true. That's totally seaboard. different. It's mostly about, like, the south and stuff like that. So, and I will be sure to space that one out when I listen to it from some of the others. I don't need so much heaviness in a row. I also am curious about what could be the perspective when you are that young and you go from into a slave situation to literally going into a complete 180 kind of scenario. Like what's going to be like the whiplash you have to deal with yeah. before, you know, all the awfulness that goes around. But 
you know, check that one out. <laughs> Trying to, to brighten your day here. So these are the books to check out. I know. I'm like reading these. I'm like, God, man, I, we, w- what we wouldn't give for a Hobbit or something. <laughs> yeah, I feel like my next choice is not totally going to lighten it up. But this um, w- is on actually my top 10 books of the year that I read that I loved so much. And it ended up on a lot of other lists. It's called The Immortalists by Chloe Benjamin. Um, Again, a Washington Post notable book, NPR Book of the Year, Entertainment Weekly Best Book, Library Reads Top Ten. So it's all over the place. It takes place in summer in the Lower East Side in 1969 when the four gold siblings, they're just hanging out, they're bored and sweaty. So they, and sweaty. you know what, they hear the best story about this fortune teller. So they pay a visit to her. Um, and one by one, she calls them in and she offers up a secret, which is the day, um, you know, the day and time of their deaths. So what each one will choose to do with that information or not. It's just this like, you know, random fortune teller forms just the cinematic core of this book. It's a a sweeping family saga, but you know, there's some really fateful brushstrokes of kind of magical realism Hmm. mixed in, but all the characters are brought vividly to life and each section um, kind of reads like its own novella as they as they tell their story. My ear perked up when you started mentioning that premise. I'm like, no, oh, absolutely. And the author really smartly holds off on definitely answering the one question that one that the readers really want to know. What if it actually goes down? Yeah, you know, if it is it it's, real, will it actually go down? But absolutely sweeping novel, just remarkable ambition and depth I felt and one that you do not want to put down. I finished that one really quickly. That does sound pretty awesome. I know as a kid, I was always like, I hope somebody writes a book about the story of the Cyclops from Krull to really throw an old school reference out there. I mean, I think you'll be interested in one of the books I talk about then in a way, which doesn't go there. But wait, th- again, oh, wait, th- not, it's not quite that. But um, good- you, why don't you write it, Jacob? I, you know, I think I've already begun. <laughs> I, I should go uh, all the great ideas for books and stuff that we have on this show. Uh-huh. I think uh, I think the story of the guy from Krull is one of our perfect zeroing in a very specific community. Right. That's um, absolutely. Can I mention another book real quick? Yeah, sure. Go for it. So another book that's come up on a lot of lists that we talked about on an episode of new books that were coming out that we were looking forward to was called My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa Moshfag. I don't know if you remember us talking about it. I do kind of remember that one. It was actually Entertainment Weekly's number one book of 2018. It's been on a ton of lists. It's about a young woman who's trying to duck the ills of the world by embarking on an extended hibernation. So she goes to like the worst psychiatrist in the world who just keeps giving her sleeping meds. And then she takes like a million meds and tries to just sleep year i mean i read this book it was my most anticipated read of 2018 this book stinks does it jacob it was garbage i don't understand how it is on these lists i hated it i hated almost every single second of it that i was reading it i hate her i hate what she was trying to do i hate her friends i hate the story tell tell us how you really feel about it my goodness so can someone else out there just read it and explain to me because it was terrible. She was just like, 
Here I am. I'm so unhappy. I took pills. I go to sleep. I woke up. What are all these packages? I online shopped. Oh, I'll take more pills. Go to sleep. I woke up on the subway. How did I get here? Why am I wearing one slipper and one shoe? That's crazy. Take more pills. Go to sleep. Like So it was like the same thing. Like hmm. she took pills. Yeah. She went to sleep. Yeah. She woke up. Yeah. And then she was somewhere. And okay. you were like, how did she get there? Those pills are crazy. And they just did it like 1,000 times. And she was super unlikable. And it was terrible. Okay. you. So maybe I missed the bigger point, the bigger picture. Please, someone write to us, email us, let us, let me know. Correct I, me. I mean, I think you just scared everybody away from that <laughs> yeah. book. Like anybody who's even thinking about it, you're like, you know what? I'm going to pass on that one. Ugh. I just had to throw it I'm so it in. sorry you had to hear, read such a disappointing book. It made me so at, angry. At what point did you realize you're reading a bad book? Because there's always so a So early on, it. but then I was like, well, it keeps coming up on lists. It's been really pushed. Like, it must hit a point where it just gets really good, and it didn't. And I don't even know why I finished it. It's like I had to know why it was written, and I did not understand even after I finished it. Oh. Oh. Yep. That's horrible. Yeah, it was one of the what biggest a, biggest bummer. bummers. So do you have anything else that you that you uh, want to recommend to the people? Yeah, you know, I do have another one. Um, okay, is this book uh, Educated by Tara Westover? Oh, yeah. You heard about this one? I definitely heard about it. As a person who works in collection development, yes, I definitely the, hear about all these books. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm about to say, like, well, I guess you would. You do kind of It's funny, them. too, because that book came in as, like, a pre-pub. So we get sent books before they're released to Indus the world. Industry terms. Yes. Um, so that... I guess they think that we will sit around and read them and then decide if we're going to buy them, which is not exactly how super large libraries work. We, I wish. I wish I sat around reading books all day. That'd be yeah. a dream. But I remember that book coming in, and I definitely did not want to read it because I thought the cover was stupid. It's a pencil. It, it's only a pencil. And it doesn't really fit the story. Uh, no, it doesn't. No. So I thought it was going to be like a memoir of some teacher, which teachers, you're the best. But I was like, meh. I can just talk to my teacher buds. I don't need to read this. So, yeah, let people know what it's really about because it actually sounds great. Okay, so this book is uh, by Tara Westover, and it is a memoir um, about going from a survivalist family to a Ph.D. from Cambridge. So, you know, if you don't know anything about much about, like, what Cambridge is, that's a heck of a turnaround, <laughs> yes. let me tell you. That's a heck of a turnaround. So it's a story about how uh, when she grew up, she was grew up in a survivalist family, which means they didn't really have any formal education. They didn't do hospitals. Mm -hmm. Everything that they did was all about like herbalism or natural kind of healing. She's, she's burning that lavender oil. Yeah, and then like you know, <laughs> like burn some peaches and rub it on. <laughs> it'll get better. Throw some honey onto that wound. It'll be all right. Mm, delicious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. It sounds delightful. Um, so she never really got any formal education, but then like eventually she just gets to the point where like you know what. This is stupid. I'm, I'm, I want to, you know, switch, switch this up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So then she starts educating herself. She starts reading on her own. Oh, um, I wonder if she different kind utilized of libraries, that place that you can read for free. It's very possible. <laughs> yes. It's almost like you guys have this awesome <laughs> resource right at your hands. That's it's going to be there. Um, but then she taught herself, like, mathematics and grammar. She got so good that she got admitted to Brigham Young University. Um she started learning about world events and civil rights movements for the first time because obviously as yeah, a kid and a survivalist, covered. didn't really go for it. And then she starts dis discovering this whole wider world that she's been missing out in her whole life. But also she's so smart that she also goes from like Harvard 
and then to Cambridge, because Cambridge is above Harvard for everybody out there who doesn't know the hierarchy of universities in the world. Um, so it's just a story about a person that's like completely decides one day they're going to change their life and, you know, does it in a pretty dramatic and awesome way. Yeah. So, you know. No, it sounds like, good. That sounds I, like a pretty cool story. I actually. wish I had grabbed the pencil book. I definitely will at some point. It sounds kind of like that book, The Glass Castle, which I'm sure you didn't read, which was like girl growing up in van and. Yeah, I was about to say, is that that Chloe Savigny movie? No, I think. No, no, no. Uh, is that the one about don't throw stones? I heard it, about the ending. No, tragic. I, are you? <laughs> you're just being a garbage person right now. That's you're you're trolling me. Cool. I am trolling um, you a little bit. I did want to mention just because you brought that up, there was this article that just came out on the Salon website, um, and it's mostly about the idea of, especially in this time, everything is really divisive, and there's a lot of ignorance and misinformation out there, and it's breeding like this whole new level of hate in society, and they are telling you like to to beat this, to fight the sort of unwavering acceptance of any information that you hear and just being like, oh, that is the same as how I feel, so I agree with it. Or, you know, it seems that people's curiosity really ends lately the moment that they discover information that is different from what they already believe. And the article says to combat that, go to the library like librarians will help you there is information to so that like the truth exists and you you have access to it so that you can really understand and be a part of these debates um in a better way it's more fulfilling so anyway check out the article but Just come to come, the library yeah come to the library everybody it's a good Yay. time down here we have <laughs> books there's movies oh there you go that's good. There's it's not plug time yet. There's Jacob. computers. There's all of that kind of stuff. We're in a launch pad right now yeah. where we record a podcast. Record. We're looking at a cool green screen, which, Jacob, why don't we use the green screen? We're going to start doing that and have I some know. awesome pictures of us. It could be me and you just doing Like scaling and buildings and stuff. <laughs> like it sounds so great. This is all stuff you can use, everybody. So, you know, we have 37 branches out here. So you need to come check them out. Truth. Okay. So back to books. My final book. Uh, choice of the year that's hit. So number one, New York Times bestseller. Again, oh, well, best book, that's, NPR. That's I want to go through sign. Washington Post, People, Time, Amazon, Entertainment Weekly, Bustle, Newsweek, AV Club, Christian Science Monitor, BuzzFeed, Paste, Audible, Kirkus, Publishers Weekly, Leak Weekly, Book Riot, Book Page, The Guardian. There's literally more. I can't say And all. most importantly of all. Michelle Snyder. Yeah, all picked up podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So the book Circe by Madeline Miller shame yeah not that Cersei so it is the retelling of the character Cersei from the classic myth um the Odyssey hey I know that story there you go there's a Cyclops in there that's yeah, what made me no think Cyclops of it. here we go so someone took someone from that time period and wrote a whole other book about them there you this go. she opened that. the door for you Jacob My. so it takes place it's in the house of Helios which is the god of the sun he's the mightiest of the titans if you're not up on your mythology which you should be and his daughter is born um, but Cersei, she's a strange child because she's not really powerful like her father, who's a god, or alluring like her mother, who's a god. So turning to the world of mortals for companionship, she discovers that she does possess powers, which is the power of witchcraft, and she can transform rivals into monsters and really menace the gods. So Zeus, who's threatened by her, banishes her to a desert island where she really hones her craft. Um, 
and tames beasts, and she comes um, into contact with some of the most famous figures in mythology, including like the Minotaur and Medea, and of course Odysseus shows up. So it's a great story about her having to protect what she loves most and really summon her strength to decide whether she belongs with the gods that she is born from or the mortals that she has come to love. I loved this book. I can see why it's on the top of everything. I wouldn't have grabbed it if it didn't come up on all of these lists as a great book. And I was like, well, I I guess it sounds interesting. I'm not huge into mythology. I I like mythology a lot. So that that sounds like right up my alley. I loved her so much. I loved her journey. I loved hearing about all the gods. There's a great glossary in the back so that, you know, I could look up each god that came up and each mortal and figure out what story they were from and if, you know, how they all sort of fit in if they're there's you know trojans and then the greeks so that helped with the mortals and then the gods are the the olympians and i can't even think of what the other ones you know are. what i will tell you <laughs> say what you will about the wackiness of some of them old pantheons but man do they know how to weave a web man because they those, sure they did got some great stories and they're just like wow these are excellent tales so that is final book again that was on my top 10 of the year which eventually i think we'll get to our top Oh, we'll, we'll do something. We don't know what. We'll figure we're it out. We're flying by the seat of our pants we'll, we'll here. We'll get it here, you know. Um, what do you think? you have anything else or do you want to do your plugs? Um, you can read the, you know, Fire and Blood, the new George R.R. R. Martin book. No, I'm not going to do not that. the new Hi- Game of Thrones book. Yeah, f- yeah, I spit on him. I read it. <laughs> How dare he? It's like reading a history book. It was all right. A lot of violence, a lot of dragons. A lot of people, you know, <sighs> doing Game of Thrones-y kind of stuff. Whatever you do, George, don't write book six. Yeah, Write a prequel that nobody asked for. Yeah, don't write your books. It's not like your show's ending or anything. And no, don't even worry about it. Right. Don't um, even work, work cool. Yeah, that's about it. But all everything right. that you hear about on All Booked Up, you can go check out at your local library. Pop on down. we got 37 branches. Just stop in any one of them. Request your book. If they don't got it, they'll send it right to you. It is the best system out there. It's a great system. Take advantage of it, folks. I also wanted to mention, before I forget, um, we want to do kind of a lead-up to the Oscars and, you know, best movies, best actors, and on and on. And we want to know what you think. So if you're interested, if if there is a movie that you loved, a performance that you loved, whether or not you think it will be nominated, um, please, please, please make a voice memo of it on your phone. You have a special little app for that. You just press it, talk into it, and then you can email it to us at allbookedup at buffalolib.org. And then we would love to, the lead up to the Oscars, to feature you on the podcast talking about a movie or performance that you liked or didn't like. Um, Yeah, and then you can listen back. Have your friends listen. That'd be great. So please, please, please send us... Send us something. Yeah, who had the better long hair, Rami Malek or Bradley Cooper? In Look their at that. Music <laughs> biopic. <laughs> the important topic number the important one. questions. Okay, and then to end the show here, Jacob, New Year. I wanted to get us some really some happy facts. Happy I feel facts. facts that I read that made me feel good and is a good way to start 2019. This, this whole episode has been nothing but happiness. Just pure pure joy. So did you know that Vikings? Sometimes gave kittens to newlyweds as an essential household gift. Aww. Aww. See, you loving Vikings. Vikings are big softies. Misunderstood. It just shows you cats really do rule the world. They probably brought them on a pillow and the cat was like, Meh. My favorite. Um, also, this fact, it blew my mind and I like anyone that does that. What do you think the average cloud weighs? Nothing. The average cloud weighs 1.1 million pounds. What? Yes. 
Wait a minute. For real. Jacob, I don't even know. I I read, yes, I like looked it up in two separate sources. would you do, how would you There's literally a million pounds of rain hanging over your head at all times. I don't believe, no, I don't believe it because of how would you, how would you weigh it? Well, you know what? When we walk out of here, why don't you walk right to the desk and ask the librarian? 1.1 million pounds, average cloud. Also, I don't believe that. Here's your final happy fact. This one you'll believe. Out of the 403 episodes of The Joy of Painting with Uh, Bob Ross. Man, friend of the show. 91% of them contained at least one happy tree. Oh, (laughs) Oh, Bob Ross. Come down here and just for that, because we have all the episodes, people. It is just the best show of all time. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will catch you next week as we continue our journey on to 2019. Yeah. All right, take it easy. Bye.